Good morning, everybody. I'm Jefferson Smith. You are listening to X-Ray, where our mission is to put a microphone to the best and most distinctive in our community and to do our tiny part to bend the arc of history towards justice and make sure that media is a space not only for selling, not only for transactions, but yes, for community and yes, for democracy, to figure out what's going on so you can make choices for your government. Jeff Kogan knows pretzels in Portland. He's been on staff in City Hall, elected as Multnomah County Commissioner, then as chair of the county commission, recently the executive director of Impact Northwest. He's running for House District 46, making a political comeback. Jeff Kogan, welcome to X-Ray. Thank you very much. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine. Yourself? I don't know yet. I'm actually, I, I am mostly, I've, I've been working my tail off, right? I've been, I've been going from, I've been going from 7 a.m. to midnight most days, uh, taking breaks in between. And the, uh, uh, and, and today, genuinely, I am tired. But they say, I'm not the one running for House District 46. You are. How are you campaigning in the context of the coronavirus? Well, I was going to have a campaign kickoff party. I was going to do 12 house parties. I was going to go door to door every day till the election. But those are off yeah. because of the COVID-19 crisis. Um, so I'm calling constituents. And that's been pretty good. Does it, it help you, know, you relative to other candidates in the race? Does it help you that campaigning is going to be harder because you've already got more name recognition than almost anybody who ever runs for an Oregon House primary? Well, I think it does, but I think that, you know, I have to get reacquainted with people. So I think that it does, but it doesn't. <laughs> because you want to reintroduce yourself, because you want to have that conversation. You don't just want to rely yeah. on the fact that you were in the county commission some years ago. When was your yeah. last year as county chair? Uh, 2013. What have you learned from that experience? You, it, it, feel free to share the circumstances of your exit from the county uh, from the county commission, and and then I do want to talk about sort of the time in between. But yeah, talk about that experience a little bit. Well, I had an affair and I resigned, um, and you know, I went to two and a half years of therapy with my wife to work on what made me have that affair, and. Um, and she's good with me, and I'm good with her. Um, and she's supporting my run currently. Um, but I, you know, I was always about giving back to the community. And when I when I left the county, I worked well, I worked for Democracy Resources for a year, but I worked for Impact Northwest for five years. Um, and I think that that's um, about me giving back to the community. And what'd you learn from the experience? Clearly, maybe what'd you learn from therapy? And I don't just mean about your marriage. Feel free to share that if you choose. But that's not really my question. Uh, I too have dealt with, you know, a, a painful political loss that was linked to painful personal conduct and mm -hmm. trying to grapple with my own sins, my own weakness, my own darkness. That at best it's tuition, so I can be a better human being and maybe a better, you know, leader for whomever, a better colleague for whomever I work with. What did you learn? Well, I learned that um, my wife, I thought she didn't support me getting into politics. And when we went to therapy, I saw that she did support me getting into politics. And I was misleaded on that. Um, I was misled on that. Um, and we worked it out. So I, I know she's 
supportive of me getting into politics. But that was only a part of the thing I learned. Um, I, I learned that I have to be true to myself and I have to give to my community. And I went out of politics and I gave to my community um, in the, you know, in the for-profit and in the non-profit realm. And now I'm going to run for state reps, so I'm going to do that in the government realm. And what was the process when you decided, you know what, I'm ready. I did the democracy resources thing, and that's and that's uh, Ted Blazak's operation, right? That's the yep. operation yep. that does ballot initiative gathering. And I, I, yep. I might actually want to ask you about that a little bit, and also might want to ask you about Impact Northwest. What was the process about? You say, okay, I've been doing this. It's been six years that I've been out of uh, I've been out of that kind of public life. I am ready to run for office. What's that look like? Well, it wasn't really about democracy resources. It was about Impact Northwest. Um, because we um, we tried to get homeless people houses, and we had 200 employees that tried to get homeless people houses and near homeless people. We tried to get them to stay in their houses, and we only reached less than 10,000 people each year. And I wanted to have a bigger impact than that. So that was one thing that led me to get into the state race. But another thing that led me to get into the state race is a little less than three years ago, I had a stroke. And Impact Northwest... I, I didn't know that, by the way. I feel embarrassed. Oh. I wasn't even going to say so. I feel embarrassed for not knowing that. If it was in the news, I missed it. Yeah, well, I mean, it was not... Yeah, it was in the news, but it was not that prominent in the news. Yeah. Um, I, I had a stroke three and a half... Or three years ago, and I got better. I, I had no physical ailment, but my speech... I couldn't speak after my stroke. I couldn't speak at all after my stroke. For how long? And, 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 you've always, and to be clear, not everybody, I mean, people might remember what you look like, but you've always been a pretty healthy guy. You've struck me. So it must have, that stroke must have struck you surprised. Uh, how well, long? I had an accident. I was uh -huh. at Seaside in the bumper cars, and a person hit me in the back, and my head went back, and I had a stroke from that. It gave you a stroke on the bumper cars? Yep, it did. Did Seaside give you free tickets? give you a stroke, but they can <laughs> I mean, at least you should get some ski ball or something out of the gig. <laughs> How long could you not speak? I couldn't speak for a week. And then I could speak gradually. And I went through a whole year of speech therapy. And, and Impact Northwest paid for my short-term and long-term disability insurance. And that was the key to me getting better. Because if I didn't get that year of speech therapy, I couldn't speak at all. Or maybe I could just speak a little bit. But I got a year of speech therapy two to three times a week. And I can speak like I do now. So I think that when I think about running for the state, the state should give all people health insurance because only like 93% have health insurance. And they should give all people short-term and long-term disability insurance. Man, I feel for you. And I, mm -hmm. I, I, after I say this, I can only imagine what friends of mine might chuckle into their breasts. But if I lost the ability to speak, I don't know if I'd do it myself. It might, might please any number of people, but I don't know what I would do with myself. <laughs> what are the, uh, any lingering impacts of that? No. Yeah. Not at all. Your speech it pattern, was, you, you know, it's... years ago, so I mean, it took maybe a year and a half to go to get beyond the stroke. Yeah. So then you decide, you're at Impact Northwest, you're working challenges there. I, I remember still that one of the best, one of the best reasons I've ever heard anybody run for office. And very often when somebody gives their reason for running for office, it's as much of a political line as it is anything else. There's always lots of reasons. But the but I remember Jackie Dingfelder, who was in the in the state house, not in, in a district. Actually, same darn district. 
the as you're running for, I mean, different, slightly different lines because there's been redistricting. Yeah. But Jackie Dinkler yeah. was your essentially probably your representative in that area. I think that's true. And <laughs> and she said, and when she was asked why she was running, she was an environmental activist. She said because I was working so hard on these issues, I just realized it'd be so much easier if I could work on these issues and actually have a vote in the legislature, <laughs> which is a little that bit is, like your impact Northwest story. Exactly. What's what's that conversation with your spouse, with your friends, with political donors? Let's start with that. You talked about your spouse already. Feel free to add more. But you're calling up people who supported you for office. What's that conversation like? Hey, folks, I'm running. I think it's gone very well. Um, I've called up folks and I've said, hey, folks, I'm running. And 95 percent of them give me money. And so how's the race going? How do you, how can you even evaluate it without going door to door? So maybe it's an unfair question. Yeah, I don't I don't know how it's going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What yeah. have you learned? Well, I've learned that COVID-19 is a terrible thing. <laughs> yeah. So you're doing those 12 house parties you're going to do that's I haven't uh, I haven't had any of them. The uh, are you doing any of that by any of that by like digital gathering? Are you trying to do like any kind of digital town hall or automated whatever? Well, I we're going to meet next week, my campaign consultants and me and my campaign manager, and discuss whether we're going to do um, house parties on a digital level and maybe on Zoom level. Um, yeah. But I don't know whether we are. And otherwise, it'll be fundraising and mail. Yep. Yeah. Just yep. just call people up, get money. Uh, are you? How much money? It, it's on. I could have looked on Orstar and I didn't. But uh, how much money have you raised so far? How much more do you think you need to raise? Well, I've raised you know forty five thousand dollars so yep. far, and I was originally budgeting a hundred thousand dollars. Yep. But with the COVID nineteen, it's gotten relatively harder to raise money. So I'm going to maybe budget seventy or eighty thousand dollars. Yep. And the, uh, yeah, I've got to imagine calling up somebody. Now, how has that changed? You call up and say, hey, hey, listen, I know there's a global pandemic, but I got this state house race. Yep. And they're, they're like, well, I mean, they give me money, but they don't give me as much as before. Right. It's just smaller, smaller amounts per yes. Yep. What yep. are the key issues? Let's move to the state legislature. Uh, what are the key issues facing? You brought up. Uh, you brought up already some about housing. What are what are some of the key issues that you think the legislature is missing? I, I, when I started getting engaged in state legislative work, my greatest frustration is we had had a decade, decade and a half of double-barreled Republicans controlling the legislature. So there was a myriad of things that, that I thought we ought to have a chance. There has now been a, a, a pretty lengthy run of democratic control in the legislature. Uh, that also means, though, that you might have a greater chance of someone with your politics being able to pass something. What are some key priorities mm-hmm. for you, you know, day one, year one, first term? Well, uh, aside from this COVID-19 crisis and the recession that's likely to come from it, the other key issues I have are homelessness, health care, and human services. Um, There's going to be a vote in Portland in May to authorize a provision to get services to homeless people. If that passes in May, I'm going to go down to the legislature in January and say we ought to do this in the entire state of Oregon because homelessness is not uh, comprised of homelessness in the metro area. It's all regions in the state of Oregon. So that's that's my plan for that. Health care 
we have to get 100% of Oregonians insured for health care. And it's not that far from 100%, but it's like 93 to 95% now. And we have to get 100% insured. And human services, I think, especially for children, I mean, the child welfare system has been under assault for, I think it's decades now, but we have to, um, we have to pay more for foster parents and we have to do an independent living program. They have an independent living program, but it doesn't serve everyone. And we have to get an independent living program for people who are aging out of foster care to have them go to be independent livers. I mean, that, that, that takes about four or five years um, to process of having them become independent uh, living people. And how should that say more about how you would uh, lever that, how you would change that, who you might work with to make that change? Yeah, project us forward on that a little bit. Well, I mean, there was a proposal last term to double the independent living, and it didn't get brought up, and the Democrats didn't bring it up. And I think that that proposal is the key. We're going to, I will gather Democrats around the proposal. And there was a proposal last time, so I mean, that's not a big thing. I'll gather Democrats around that, and we will pass that, and they'll be, it was calling for doubling the independent living program. Yeah. A little bit about organizational endorsements. You've got a bunch of elected leaders, uh, people you worked with, uh, including yep. our current mayor, uh, including the current Metro Council president. Uh, the Anything in those conversations that has made you excited about what could happen? Well, I mean, those conversations have been, if I get elected state rep, they'll work with me. And the, you know, the state metro area are particularly important. And if they work with me on homelessness, that's going to be um, So that's, that, that's the exciting thing about that. What are some of the mistakes you think that Tina Kotek has made? She, she's not exactly your boss as the speaker, but she does determine your committee chair assignments. Where And so I recognize you might be somewhat reticent to offer any critique. Yep. <laughs> but that said, if you're running, you think that something's got to change. And right now that's not because, I mean, you could blame Republicans for walking out, uh, but that's not primarily because Republicans are doing stuff. That's because Democrats are doing stuff or not doing stuff. What do you think needs to change in the legislature? What mistakes do you think might have been made by, you know, the current administrations? Well, I, I think the current administration is doing just fine, except um, when the Republicans walked out on the climate change bill, we should have worked with them. Um, say that again. You cut, out, you cut out just a little bit. When the, when the Republicans say that again. When the Republicans walked out on the change legislation, them to get them back we worked with them before that but when they walked out we didn't work with them after that and i think we should have worked with them but that's like the only thing that i think that uh tina kotek has not done well so let's talk about that walkout and i don't know if you're if you're in a spot if you're on a, on a cell phone if you're in a place with a little bit weaker uh, signal you might step to a place a little bit stronger it started out a little bit better oh. but now we've got you're cutting out just a little bit in and out oh okay does it sound better this way it did sound better that way, at least for that sentence. Uh, okay. The so I think what uh, 
I want to get your comment on how the speaker, on how the legislature should have handled the walkout differently. What would you have done? I would have told, I mean, I would have said to a couple of Republican leaders what was their problem with this legislation, and I would have tried to work it out with them. I mean, I would have tried to say there's, there's taxes in rural areas and that we won't have as many taxes in the rural areas or something like that. But they should have worked with them when they walked out, and I think they didn't. Here's the interesting thing, and I think it's a really fascinating question about whether or not like what's the reaction right if somebody plays a trump card and i use the uh, metaphor intentionally if somebody says i'm going to take my ball and go home or at least you know my my pieces my game my, my portions of the set of game pieces away and then how do you react to that there's a strong argument to say uh that what you're saying which is, hey, let's work together. Are you worried, though, then, that it just gives, uh, you know, the first time, they've done it five times now, right? I counted a four, and yeah. I was told, no, it's been five. And if you say, if each time they do it, you say, okay, well, let's, let, here's, what, here's what we give you. Let's work together. And generally, work together doesn't just mean sitting in a meeting and not doing anything, you know, not, not doing anything for them. It's not yep. only about listening. It's about conceding on something. And if every time they walk out, you give them a concession, then doesn't that just say, hey, gang, when they're in their caucus meeting, well, we're not getting enough concessions. Let's go to Idaho. Are you not worried that it attracts, you know, that shark bait attracts sharks? Yep. For that. And so I, I, I think that we have to be mindful of the concessions we give, and we shouldn't give too many concessions, but we should at least talk with them about it. How come? Because they walked out. You well, cut, you're 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 cutting out. You're cutting out pretty bad. I I heard you. I heard you say walked <laughs> out, and then I didn't hear anything else. Which either meant that's all you had to uh, say, or you said something else, and I didn't get the benefit. No, I said something else. <laughs> okay. um, um, they walked out, and they're going to continue to walk out. There's going to be a ballot measure in the fall. I don't think they're even going to get signatures on that ballot measure because we have the COVID-19 crisis. Yeah. The walkout next term as well. Um, we, we should talk with them to stick in. Does, does it tell you anything? So you got to work with them because otherwise they're going to walk out. Does it tell you anything that uh, we need to change our processes. And I don't just mean punishing walkouts, right? And there is there is that ballot initiative. It'll be hard to get that ballot initiative referred because they'll yep, walk I out do. around that uh, walk out around that ballot initiative, presumably. Uh, and and it would be a uh, but it's becoming sort of an illegal filibuster. And so one argument is we'll just change that rule. Does it make you think at all? that we should change the rules, either become a unicameral legislature, move to a new voting system, do something to disrupt the current partisan divide, or is it really just about punishing Republicans who do it? I think that that would be a, a good thing that we should at least consider. I mean, I don't know about a unicameral legislature versus a bicameral legislature, but I think that we should consider that and we can consider... Um, your other proposal, because I think that we're we're at a standstill now, and we should at least consider that. And if we we come up with something we like, we should um, put it to the voters. 
What's the craziest thing? And once I ask that, you might not even want to characterize it as crazy, but something that is least out of the, at least in the main, in terms of a process proposal, right? Whether it's star voting, rank choice voting, uh, limitations on campaign contributions, public financing, uh, multi-member districts, uh, anything. What's the most radical thing that you're in favor of? Not only that you would read about, but that you that you would support. Uh, some version of it when it comes to disrupting the current political process? Ranked choice voting is the one I'm in favor of. And why ranked choice voting over star voting? That's, you know, Mark Fronemeyer's thing where you, you know, you sort of give Yelp reviews and, and the, the argument being that it can be hard to remember, like, oh, is that is that my second or my sixth favorite choice? But I, it's kind of easy for me to say, oh, I like that person. That's a, per- a five-star person. That person's a two-star person. Yeah, I think that Mark's proposal is fine. I mean, I think that we should just rank choices. Yeah. Um, Mark's proposal is fine. Rank choice voting is fine. But I think we should rank choices because because um, if the first person you vote for is not going to go places, the second person you vote for is maybe going to go places. So, you know, it's, I think that we should do that. Yeah. Uh, what are you – do you have a – are you engaging in any of the other races? Do you have a, do you have a pick for uh, – well, presumably you're supporting the mayor. He supported you. Do you have a pick yep. in Nick Fish's uh, – in Nick Fish's district? In Nick Fish's seat, excuse me. It's a citywide district. I'm supporting uh, Dan Ryan and Sam Chase in that race, and I think that they should be going to the runoff. But I don't – you know, but there's like 15 candidates in that race. There's a lot. At last last time I checked, I read 18, but I couldn't name all 18. 18, wow. I I can I I was able to name nine when I started writing down of the people I knew of. I could name, or is it even nine? I actually only wrote down eight. Uh, I wrote down eight. So, but apparently there's like ten more, uh, and I, and wow. we're gonna and we're gonna communicate with all of them. At least give we're doing our best to to uh, operate under equal time expectations. Uh, what wow. is your <laughs> what is your insight? Because for a long time you were a city guy, right? I remember talking yep. to Steve Novick about this. It's like you know, early on we were talking about maybe he would run for run for some citywide office. He's like, I'm not really a city guy. And then eventually he was a city guy for one term, uh, and mm-hmm. you were a city guy, and then you were a county guy. Talk about what is for people who are trying to make a decision in these city races, even county and metro races. Uh, what do you think people should be paying attention to that maybe they're not paying sufficient attention to well i mean the county does what the state says it's going to do and the city does urban services and i think that the people should consider the city races in terms of urban services transportation planning development um parks um they should consider those races in that context what do you say to people who might say, listen, this, his real passion was to be mayor, his real passion was to be county chair, maybe his real passion was to How much do you really care about the legislature? What, what's your response? And I, by the way, usually think this is a garbage question, but I'm, I want to hear what your response to that garbage question is. Uh, do people say, well, this is just really a stepping stone for Jeff to, be, to make a political comeback? Um, no, it's not a stepping stone. I'm going to go to the legislature and be in the legislature because the county handled state legislative issues. We handled health care and public safety and human services. And I'm going to go to the state and handle those kinds of things as well. What's the dumbest question you've got since you've been running for office? <laughs> I don't think I've gotten any dumb questions. What's I the best one? Every question. <laughs> What's the most surprising question you got? The best question you got? 
Um, huh. I, no, I, I don't. I, mean, I don't. Well, let's see. No, I, people ask substantive questions. They don't, they've not asked any surprising questions. They've asked me what I'm going to do about certain issues and what I'm going to do about certain questions, and but they've not asked any surprising questions at all. And I don't know if that's good news or bad news. It's either it's good news that you're never surprised because you know all the answers, or it's bad news because all of us lack imagination. Here's something that's not that surprising <laughs> a question about transportation. This interface between the city and the state. So now mm-hmm. when I uh, am asking people running for city council how they feel about I-5 expansion, which of course is intrinsically linked or inexorably linked at least to expand you know, to a large freeway expansion over the over the Columbia River that they, that they will call mm-hmm. a bridge uh, there's yeah. now a growing consensus I'm hearing among the candidates oh well we can't just we can't just pollute you know uh, we can't just uh, pollute historically black Portland we can't just disrupt the East Bank Esplanade this is a bad idea but oh I'm running for city office this is an ODOT thing they don't use that tone of voice but that's becoming the most common answer I'm hearing here you're running for the, the city leaders need to need to take a, a stand on that <laughs> you're running you're running for a state office you will be yeah. able to like you might not get put on the transportation committee but you will have a chance to say listen i'm not voting for a transportation budget and very often and if you find six or seven democrats to be with you you could block a transportation budget particularly if it included a gas tax if it didn't make sure that there were climate worthy future worthy community worthy uh, transportation choices how are you standing on a on a you know multi billion dollar uh, highway pro- set of highway projects and how would you leverage your power in the state legislature to do something about it I oppose the highway project, and I will leverage my power to gather Democrats to oppose the highway project, because that's, we have to do climate-friendly things, and the highway expansion project is not climate-friendly. Does, exp- does that expand to your views on the Columbia River Crossing? I know they will call yes. it something different. Yes, it does. Well, that's a big deal. How is that impacting you in organizational endorsements? You have a very impressive set. I went to your website. You have a very impressive set of organizational endorsements on your website. Either I'm not seeing the page or I'm, not, I'm just not seeing them there, but I'm not seeing as many organizational endorsements. Talk about what that process has been like, what, and maybe it's because the website was made and these organizational endorsements are real-time right now. How are the mm-hmm. organizational endorsement processes going? Because you, you've known a lot of these organizations. They've supported you yep. in previous races. Yes, they had supported me in previous races, and some are not weighing in, and some have weighed in for my opponent, Confam, because um, I support the priorities of these organizations, but I'm not going to say I support every priority of these organizations, and they're, yeah, they're not supporting me, at least a few of them are not supporting me, but um, I support 95% of their priorities. By the way, I will just say, and it's one of the reasons why we want to have, and I'm not weighing in on this race to be very, very clear. Our role is to try to give people a chance to make their own decisions. But I think what you said, I will editorialize this much, is one of the most important things. Let, and and I'm, the reason I'm saying it is because organizational endorsements, I am guessing, are going to play a bigger role in campaigns this time because there's going to be so much less human contact. And so people just look at their mm-hmm. voters' pamphlet statement, get some mail, and I say, oh, I, and, and use a bunch of proxies. 
and mm-hmm. because there's not going to be as much discussion about it in their minds because they're going to be figuring out how they can get some hand sanitizer and some toilet paper. <laughs> and so and so what you just said was a mouthful. And so if primarily the way to win is just to say get 100 percent on the every questionnaire that comes down and therefore play the endorsement game and win, what that does is it just turns over the legislative process to any endorsing organization. To me, it is not a scarlet letter as a red badge of courage if somebody is willing to to say, listen, we're on the same side of the table approaching a common problem, but I work for the people and sometimes we're going to disagree. I know that's me saying it, not you, but feel free to amplify or say something else. No, that's that's exactly what I believe. I believe that entirely. Well, uh, to me, that's huge. What should I have asked you that I didn't? Um, I don't know. You you asked me basic questions um what committees what com- i try i try for the basic questions what what <laughs> committees would you like to get on if you were going to get appointed if you were going to request uh committee participation and then eventually you might be able to become the committee chair what would be your top mm-hmm. choice committees um i have two top choice committees housing and human services and revenue where are in those organizational endorsements where are a couple of places you said 95 percent where is a couple of places where that five percent you think impacted your uh, your eligibility or at least you getting selected or not selected for an organizational endorsement um oh god um this is your sort of profile uh, and courage moment yeah exactly um i god i don't remember what i answered on the questions but i you know I answered the questions 90% what they wanted me to answer, and I answered the questions 10% what they didn't want me to answer. And I think that the people who were weighing the endorsements thought that um, Khan would be a better endorser for them. I think maybe four of them have endorsed Khan, and the others have stayed Which out Which ones? I mean, we'll ask Khan um, as well, but it just any that you remember that, that, that seemed particularly notable? Um, SEIU asked me um, the teachers union, and I, I don't know, maybe that's three. So public labor is cut out for con. So has yeah. uh, so has Alyssa Kenny Geyer. Uh, the and do you remember any particular potential disagreements with the public employee unions that have endorsed your opponent? Um, God, I still got those questionnaires like a month and a half ago. Um, I, I don't remember any sure. particular endorsement questionnaires, but I, but I, I filled them out and I filled out like ninety to ninety-five percent I support you and five percent I don't support you. I don't remember five percent more. <laughs> what are your What is your favorite and what is your least favorite revenue idea to provide funding for critical organ services? Um, well, they should take um, the capital gains tax and put it at what the income tax is. And that's going to be like two hundred or three hundred million dollars a year. That's my favorite. Wait, say that one again. They should take the capital gains tax, which yeah. we have taxed below the income tax level, and raise it up to the income tax level. And that's, that's going to raise like two hundred and fifty million dollars a year. And by the way, by the way, you know, also thank that. Thank you for that, because so for so many years there have been people who say, oh, we really should reduce the capital gains. But yeah, why not have capital gains tax like income and just treat it the same? Why is unearned income treated better than earned income? I totally agree. <laughs> wow. What's the response you get when you you say that in the campaign trail? Well, the response, well, when I went door to door, the response I got was very good. Um, now I'm phone calling and I don't really get to that because I'm phone calling and I 
talk about other things besides because when I went to door to door, I would have like a twenty minute conversation. When I'm phone calling, I'd have like a three or four minute. <laughs> do you have Do you have kids? Yes, I have two kids. How are your kids doing? How are your kids doing with the the exit and reentry to politics, and how are they doing during COVID nineteen? Well, um, they, they're fine with my exit and reentry into politics. Um, Alex is in Beaverton now, and he's fine with COVID nineteen. He's you know he's staying in place. But Johanna was in India last week, and. She came back on Sunday, which was two months earlier than she was going to come back uh, because of COVID-19. And she came back the day before India shut down all, um, you know, they they went on lockdown to all of their residents. (laughs) Well, that music means that we are at the end of our time. Jeff Kogan, candidate for uh, House District. What's your number again? 46, correct? 46, yeah. And that's southeast, that's largely southeast Portland. Thank you so much for spending this time, man. It is delightful to talk to you and really appreciate your service. You too. Be well.